Welcome to So Here's the Thing, the podcast for small business owners, entrepreneurs, and creative educators who are ready to take their business to the next level. Through candid conversations, tactical approaches, and a few unpopular opinions, we're lifting the veil on what it takes to build both a life and a business that you love. I'm your host, Leila Amati, a coach for creatives and founder of the Creative Educator Academy, where I help entrepreneurs step into the role of industry leaders and educators. I'm so glad that you're here. Now let's jump into today's episode. Hello, friends. Today's episode is so exciting for me because it's something I get asked about all the time. Um, We are going to be talking about designing an online course and who better to do that with us than the incredible, incredible Mara Kucerik. She is an online course designer, launch strategist, and host of the Create a Better Course podcast. So you guys better go subscribe to that immediately. She has helped over 150 plus entrepreneurs launch online courses and digital products. Mara lives in Tampa, Florida with her husband, two dogs, and brand new baby girl. So exciting. Congratulations, by the way. So we are going to dive right into talking all things designing an online course. Um, Now, this conversation could go so many different ways. As you know, Mara, like I feel like we could talk about so many things. And before we hopped on, I was like, I really didn't prep questions. I just know the questions in the like the back of my hand because my students in the creative educator Academy, we teach them how to create online courses, but there are so many questions that come along with that, that having an expert online course designer could really, really lend great information to. So we're going to dive in. We did not prep for this. So we're going to be as organic as possible. All right, Mara. So first question is in your opinion, and we're just going to go right off the top with like hot takes here. Is everybody like, can anybody and everybody, or should anybody and everybody be thinking about creating an online course? Like, how do you know that's for you? The short answer to this is yes. And I think most people, absolutely, you should be thinking about creating a course in your business, even if your business feels smaller or it feels like I don't have a large enough email audience or I don't have enough followers on Instagram because courses are totally different. Like people are buying for the information inside of your course. So often it will help grow your business. It doesn't necessarily have to be the thing where you've checked off every other thing in your business and you're like climbing up that business mountain because I've worked with a lot of people that their business exploded after they created a course. And so maybe they were a service-based business or for example, like some type of food blogger and they created a course. And then you add this entire revenue stream to your business and become known for this other thing in your business. And it can really explode your growth. So I think everyone should be thinking about creating a course and you should do it probably sooner than you are expecting in your business. My only caveat is And I don't think these people are listening to this podcast, but there are some people who are kind of like sleazy course creators, honestly, where they have done something once and then they make a course about it or they make a course about something that they don't even really know themselves. I think like when Instagram Reels came out and then the next day, a bunch of people have courses about Instagram Reels. And that is fine if you tell people it's like a learn alongside me type of course. It's an accountability group, but there's a kind of dark side to it too, where people claim to be an expert about something. And then later you realize, have you even done this yourself? So that's my only caveat. And I don't think people even listen to the podcast like this, because I know your audience and all of like, what is on the heart of everyone. So for the most part, yeah, create a course. It's really helpful for your business and your audience. Yeah, for sure. We do. I feel like we have like 
the ethical educators listening in. But I also think that we can get overly excited and jump the gun sometimes. And so I think there's something to be said about that as well. It's like being transparent is super important. And like, I know that we all care about our appearances, but I love that you mentioned saying like being really transparent and open of like, let's learn this alongside one another. That is so much more honest and ethical than, Hey, this thing came out yesterday and I'm already an expert. Like there's no way that you're an expert. It just came out. (laughs) And normal, regular teachers, like in middle school or college, they don't know every single thing they teach. Like you are up the night before creating your lesson plan and learning alongside your students. And that's, totally normal in the education industry and online courses. But I do think you should be really honest and authentic about it. Sometimes there's a lot of hype of like, buy my course and I'll teach you how to make a million dollars. And then behind the scenes, that isn't always the full story of someone's business, but it might be pitched as that. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it's just so important to be as like upfront and honest as possible. It's funny you say, I when you said that I had like a flashback to when I taught um, 10th grade English and I was like reading the books at the same time that these kids were reading, because they were books I never read in high school. And so I would be like, we're reading it together. Like we're in it together. And I didn't even think twice about doing that as like a professional educator. So why should I worry about it now? I love that. Right. Exactly. And when you have a course, you're going to continue to learn yourself as well. There's going to be things that students will ask you and you'll think, oh, I don't actually know the answer, but I'm going to go figure it out and make a lesson about that. And that is something like a really impactful online educator will do. If you continue learning, making your course better, and that's something that makes your students really love to be following you and want to buy more things from you and be shouting out about your course and sharing testimonials from the rooftop. Yeah, I feel like that's such a good point. I, I, I feel like I'm a broken record saying that obviously like I have the conference for educators. I have the Academy for educators and I'm like, keep learning, keep learning, like never stop. So I love that you said that too. So what's your opinion? Like this, this just kind of like, of course takes me to another hot take. Cause who am I? But what are your thoughts on like the, the educators for educators. So like I'm, I would consider myself an educator for educators, but there's a lot of coaches for coaches out there that are selling these, like create your course in three days, create and sell your course in three days, create and sell your course in a week, create and sell your course overnight. Like what are your thoughts on that as a professional course designer? This is such a hot take because no one has ever asked me this question, but there is a lot of that happening. And I think they're underselling how much work it takes to create a course. And I don't want to say that to scare people off because I truly believe most people should have some sort of online course in their business or some sort of education product. But it usually takes longer than three days, especially if it's your first course. And it is really easy to make a course that is like teaching you how to get the idea. But a lot of those courses don't talk about like figuring out the tech, adding a welcome sequence when someone buys your course, figuring out how you're going to continue to support students. Like it's really easy to sell someone on an idea of, hey, make a course in 48 hours. And I'm not saying it's impossible, especially if like you have established templates and you really know the outline of your course, but it's not, it's not realistic and it's probably more of a money grab. 100% agree. I feel like that has been so difficult for me as as somebody who my entire livelihood is built on other people becoming amazingly impactful and successful educators. So I, of course, want everybody to create courses and digital products and get on stages and become speakers and do all these things. But I don't feel comfortable pushing the narrative of like a week or less to create something that I know, I know 
takes a very long time. And I want to encourage people, but it's, it's really hard for me to sell my services without the sexy tagline of like, do it while you're sleeping and everything is great. I'm just never going to, never going to do that. So I, that encourages me. So thank you. And I hope it encourages our listeners. Like if you ever tried one of those programs and you didn't see success at the end of the week, like that's okay. That's normal. It takes time. It's totally normal. And so when I'm working with one-on-one clients, I have never had a client that was like, Hey, I have an online course idea. Let's do it right away. Almost every single one has taken courses like that. They've had the idea for years for the most part, and they just never get traction because it is a lot of work. I think there's also a lot of imposter syndrome, which I know you're great at helping people work through like the imposter syndrome that we all face as becoming educators is, is wild. And it's funny because everyone experiences it. Like even people I work with who have multiple courses, they're making a lot of money. They tell me the same stuff that people who have never had a course made of like, this isn't going to help anyone. I'm full of myself. There's, there's already too many courses about this thing out there. I know that's a big thing for people of, Oh, someone else already made this course, Mara. I can't do it. And your course will never, ever be the same as someone else's. Like no one tells a lawyer not to go be a lawyer because there's other ones or like teachers not to become a teacher. Like there's, there's room for people. We don't do this in any other profession, but for some reason in online courses, we're like, Oh no, there's already a course about how to pet a cat. We, there can never be another one in the world. I love that. It's so true. Everybody I talked to was like, well, there's already like, and I'm like, okay, we're going to find your uniqueness here. We're going to find what makes you different. We're going to find what makes your audience learn from you differently. I love all of that. It's so true. Imposter syndrome just never goes away. I talk about it all the time. I feel like everybody's probably so sick of hearing me talk about it, but I don't know. I'm still, I still struggle with it. So I guess I'll talk about it until I'm magically cured. Hey friend, if you're looking for a community of educators in the creative industry, I'd love to invite you to pull up a chair at our table. The Creative Educator Conference was created for people like you and me who are ready to grow their educational offers and create more impact and who want to come together and learn from the very best high level educators around. Unlike most conferences in our space, this event is so unique because the educators in the audience could easily be the speakers on stage, which means the possibilities to learn and grow together are literally endless. And I know that we've all sat in audiences before at other industry events thinking, this content is definitely lower level than what I need as an educator. So if that sounds like something you need, you can head to creativeeducatorconference.com or of course the show notes to check out all of the info on the next round coming up here in Dallas, my hometown on January 15th through the 17th. I cannot wait to welcome you to our event and I can't wait to see you here. All right. I love this. So we've now talked about kind of like the preliminary, let's talk about the idea of getting that course started. You mentioned the tech and I, I've talked to Don Richardson from Tech Savvy Creative on here several times about how tech overwhelm can be so debilitating to people. Now you, as a course designer, you are like, really your job is to do what create the courses, like from start to finish alongside the educator. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. So usually there's a bit of brainstorming where we're working in collaboration, we're coming up with the lessons, we're figuring out the structure of the course. Is it going to be video? Is it only going to be audio? Is it an email course? Whatever it is. And there's a lot of different ways you can go, by the way. A lot of people think you have to have videos in your course. That's not always true. And then they like work on filming it. And then I help with like the actual tech setting it up, figuring out where we're going to host this course and where students are going to log in. 
Amazing. Okay. I feel like everybody's going to be flooding your inbox after this, like help me create my course. So definitely tell her where you found her, you guys. I'm just kidding. Um, but honestly, that is such an amazing service that you're providing for so many people because all, I would say like 70% of my students at one point or another were like, Lily, can I just hire you to do this for me? And quite frankly, no, like I don't have the capacity to do it. So I love that you are doing this. Um, but I would love to hear when somebody comes to you with the idea and then they're like, where should I host this? How do you kind of prompt them through the process of deciding which course platform to use? Because I've talked about this on the podcast several times. I've now tried three different course platforms and they all have pros and cons. I've never been a hundred percent happy, but I've never been like insanely dissatisfied. But tomorrow I could switch back to Kajabi from Thrivecart or from to Thrivecart from Kajabi or throw in their teachable or think of it. Like how do you navigate that? It's super confusing, right? Like there are so many online course platforms. And one thing that's kind of unique about me is I don't specialize in one specific platform. I've had some business coaches tell me that that is super stupid and I should become like Kajabi Mara or Teachable Mara. And the reason I don't niche down is because it changes so much. If I had niched down into the platforms that were out in 2018 when I was leaving my full-time job, Half of those are not even around anymore. And so my business like would no longer be a business. Also, it truly is different for each course creator what you need. And so usually we establish what their budget is because there's a lot of fancy courses out there. Like Kajabi, for example, is amazing. It comes with a huge price tag. And if you don't need the features, you don't need to be paying Kajabi thousands and thousands of dollars because that'll really impact your bottom line in your business. And so I'm a big believer of like, look at the costs. And it is amazing to have an online course service that has all of the bells and whistles, but are you actually going to use them? So usually budget, figuring out what do you need? And that looks like, do you need it to host videos? Do you need a student forum? Some people Yes, some people already have a Facebook group. They don't care if students can comment on there. So really thinking through what features do you need and not getting distracted by all the shiny object syndrome of like, oh, it would be really nice if I can do all of these upsells and you've never done an upsell in your business. Like people get very, very distracted by all of that. And then the third thing I usually tell people is what do you like using as a student? So we've all taken courses and I think it's really helpful to think about What platforms have you seen that you found it was easy to log in? You found it was actually easy to do the lessons because there's some online course platforms that have lots of bells and whistles, but they're super annoying as a student of like, maybe they don't have an app or it doesn't work on your phone. And like, then that's not a, a great choice. And I always tell people, and you know this, whatever you pick, you don't have to be married to. Every single person that has an online course for more than a year, I would say, at some point ended up switching. So it might feel like you're making the biggest commitment of your life. You need to do six months of research. You need to make sure it's absolutely perfect. Like Laylee said, none of them are perfect. They all have pros and they all have things that drive us crazy. Oh my gosh. I love that you added like those basically like three questions that people can ask themselves. And then I also just want to share like, I have made the mistake of thinking the opposite. Like I have made that mistake of telling myself like, well, I really don't want to switch later. It sounds like such a pain in the ass. Like I'm not going to do that. And so because of that, I dragged my feet. And if I could go back in time, um, I try to live by like everything happened for a reason and probably waited for a reason. But you know, if I could tell myself like, Hey girl, calm down, like you're going to be okay. (laughs) It would have been really nice. And then I could have just hit the ground running a little bit faster. This happens to so many people though, where they spend 
six months, even a year trying to pick the perfect online course platform. And I always tell people set a deadline, give yourself like a week, you can do all the research you want, you can ask all your business friends, it's going to drive you crazy, though, because they're all going to tell you something different. Honestly, sometimes I see these posts in Facebook groups where people are like, what's the best online course software? And then there's 140 comments of people saying completely opposite things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard not to get swayed from like by the big educators, like the quote unquote big name, like celebrities out there that are like ride or die, like for Kajabi or for whatever they're with. And you're like, well, they're making billions of dollars. So I obviously need to subscribe to this immediately. The amount of people I have done a discovery call with, and they had to admit to me that they have been paying for like Kajabi or Thinkific for months and months and months because they joined under some promotion from a celebrity entrepreneur. And then they paid for six months of an online course platform and they still don't have a course. Like that happens on nearly every single discovery call. So outline your course first. That's my big tip. Do not buy your course software. Do not try their free trial. They will have a free trial later. And then you can take advantage of that on the day you are ready to log in and start uploading your lessons. Oh yes. That is so smart. So smart. Okay. So I guess um, one question that I don't know if you ever, I don't know if this is part of your process, but do people ever come to you and say like, I have a lot of things that I either speak on or want to speak on, teach on or want to teach on. Like, how do I determine how niche to get into my course? Like how micro or like how microscopically should I be looking at this course? How much should I include? And what should I even do? Like, how do people discover that for you? And I know that that's something like we've talked about on the show before is like discovering and uncovering your zone of genius. But I'm just so interested in hearing your process on that. Yeah, that's a great question. Because I would say 50% of people know what they want to make their course about. And then there's this whole other half that are like, okay, yes, I've heard about courses, I care about educating people but I speak and teach on a bunch of different stuff in my business. What do I make a course about? I can't just make a course that's like my brain and sell it. So there's a couple of different things you can do. I think one, what you are excited about is really important. So what do you notice yourself working on when you don't have to be working on it? What do you like to talk about? What do you like to research yourself? And usually there's some topics that are more exciting to you personally. And Some of those things ebb and flow. So do give yourself some grace that like don't come up with an idea and then make a course about it and realize you hate that topic the next day. I think it is nice to have a little bit of proof of concept of like, yep, I love talking about this thing. I'm going to continue love talking about it. And then the other thing is asking your audience what they want to know. It sounds so simple, but people will tell you what they want to buy from you if you ask them. And you can do Instagram polls. You can ask your email audience. I'm also a big believer in finding like five to 10 people giving them a $10 Starbucks gift card and just picking their brain. Make sure it's your ideal client. Make sure they're in your audience, but figure out what their problems are. And then that can help you align with, okay, well, I could make a course that solves this problem, or I have templates I could sell in my course as well that would solve this pain point someone talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I And I, I love that you kind of walked through that process. And also I love that you shared that it's like half and half because I feel like people so often, again, this kind of ties back into the imposter syndrome and mindset of everybody else has it figured out. Everybody else already knows like this is the hell they're going to die on. And it's like, that's not everybody takes it that seriously. Like we can test things out. What about like digital products? I know you help people create those too. Is that a whole different process or is it similar to your course design process? 
it's a super similar process. And I used to always say, oh, I do online courses. And I realized that was kind of a lie because usually what happens is I set up an online course for someone and then they know that I know all of these tech softwares. I know how to set up a checkout page. And they say, well, Mara, I want to run a workshop or I want to do an ebook. Can you set that up? And it really is a very similar process of figuring out the idea, figuring out all of the tech behind it, figuring out how people can actually buy it, and then figuring out what happens after people buy it to make sure it's a really good experience. So like, do they need follow-up emails? Do they need audio trainings of the lessons as well? Because they're never going to watch the videos because we're all super busy, like whatever that is. So it really is a very similar journey. Usually the course creation process is a little longer and a more tedious setting up like a template, a workbook, a workshop is a lot quicker. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense to me. Um, do you have like a favorite offering that, that you get to work on or that you feel like does really well for all of your clients, like between the courses and all the, the multiple types of digital products people can offer? I think my favorite, and this is maybe a cheating answer, but is setting up some sort of tripwire for people, specifically if they don't know what a tripwire is. So a tripwire is where you either buy something or you opt in. And then after you put in your email or hit buy, something pops up that's like, hey, do you want to buy this thing on super sale? And I've had a lot of people who have no digital products in their business. They think it's totally overwhelming to add like a shop to their website or anything like that. And so I'll say, hey, you know what we're going to do? Your opt-in that's totally free. After someone opts in on the thank you page, we're going to put a $10 product that's super valuable. And then they start getting like money coming in. And that's always really cool to see. And it actually is helpful for a lot of people. So don't make your tripwire like something gross and sleazy that no one wants. Like make it something that people actually want that is going to change their life. So like can you sell an email script to deal with a really annoying client? I would buy that so fast of like people's exact emails that they have sent because it is so annoying to write an email from scratch, especially about weird, difficult situations of like a client pushing boundaries or like a sponsorship opportunity. I have a podcast now. And so I'm like, maybe diving into sponsorships. We'll see. But that's something I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to respond to these emails. So if someone sold something like that, I would um, buy it. But that's always fun if someone's setting up their first tripwire. And then it's like very low pressure. You don't have to make a sales pitch. You don't have to build an entire shop on your website. Just after someone opts in, you ask them if they want more support. Genius. Honestly, like I feel like you're opening people's eyes to so many opportunities that we just don't think about because we're so focused on like, okay, what's this course going to be about? How am I going to sell this course? How are people going to find me? Do I need to run ads? Do I not? And so I feel like we're leaving people generally are leaving money on the table because they're not thinking about the smaller scale things that you could be doing. Um, I think you were, I think you were there when I was, I was speaking at show it spark. And I talk about the biggest mistake I made was going with like a large scale offer first, like a really high ticket offer first. And I did not do any of those things, you know, like six years ago, I was, I just was trying to figure it out. And I was like, I have this, I want to teach it. Let's go. But looking back, I'm like, I wish I had someone like you in my corner to tell me, Hey, you can add a $10 thing to the end of this. Like people can get to learn from you in smaller ways. Anyway, that's amazing. I would love to know if you could share maybe like a couple, maybe like two or three of the top mistakes that you see you see new course design or even established, like any educator who's creating courses or digital products, like what are some mistakes you're seeing them make? Oh, I love this question because 
I usually don't get to talk about the mistakes with people, but I'm always thinking it through. One big one I see a lot is making your online course way too long. I think we all have online courses that we have bought and we have not finished them because they're a bunch of modules. And it sounds so sexy on the sales page to say the 67 module course with all of these bonus lessons and all of these Zoom call replays. And it's totally overwhelming. Your students aren't going to go through it. Nearly every single course I work on from the original outline, we end up slashing lessons and making things shorter. So realize that people want the shortcut that's what they're buying. They don't necessarily want to know every single thing about the topic. I know that sounds backwards. It sounds weird. It might sound like you're not being helpful because most of us, when we're educators, we come from a place of, I want to tell them everything I've known about this. I want them to have the most value, but really they want to save time and they want the shortcut. So make your course shorter than you feel like it needs to be. You can always expand in coaching calls. You can always add lessons later, but don't overwhelm students. Don't make them log in and they see 60 lessons and they say, well, you know what? I'm going to do none of those because this is way too long. Oh my gosh. This is such a common thing. I think about it all the time. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I I do. I, I agree. I think this is going to be so freeing for the people who are listening right now who are like, well, when I see somebody's value stack and it looks insanely packed, how am I ever going to compete with that? And it's like, when I see that as a consumer and as an educator for educators, I'm like, how is anybody going to make their way through that? And well, something I'm noticing that's huge in purchasing habits this year is people want some reassurance that if they buy your thing, they are going to go use it because we all have all of these resources and online courses we have bought over the years, or you bought a bundle that has like 97 courses in it and you've done none of them. I have several of those that I purchased this amazing bundle, thought it was going to be great. Never had time to log in. So People on the sales page are looking for some sort of reassurance that you are going to help them do the thing. And so either that it's shorter, there's something like maybe audio lessons in there, maybe you have co-working sessions. There's a bunch of different ways that you can tell people, hey, when you buy this thing, I will be there to help hold your hand. Don't hold their hand 24-7 because that's a that's a whole other thing. If you do need to have boundaries for students, it is like I used to be a middle school teacher and you had to oh my gosh, have boundaries about all sorts of things. Online courses are are the same way. You have to have some boundaries that you can't do the work for people, but you can provide support systems. And that is actually the second mistake I was going to say is people thinking that when you launch a course, someone buys it and, and that's it. They have the course. Cool. You never need to hear from them again. And there's a lot of like support afterwards in order to make your course really good. And also to grow your course, like your students who buy your course become your biggest cheerleaders if you do it right and like show them, hey, I am here for you. Those are the people that will talk about your course to other people. And I think we all know like a friend saying, you need to buy this thing is the most powerful thing that you can get in business. They will give you testimonials. They will share links to things. So like get them on your side by being an amazing teacher. I love, I mean, I cannot say I love this anymore where you're so aligned in that, especially, especially the fact that like, if someone can get through it, find success in it, that is so much more impactful than a million ads. Like I can't even tell you, I love that so much. A third one is don't expect that everyone wants to learn in the way that you learn. So if you're in like the normal education space as a teacher, there's all of this stuff about like some people learn with audio, some people learn with visual, some people are kinesthetic, which is more interactive, same way in online courses. So for example, I really like 
reading the transcript when I take an online course that's super weird. And there's a section of people that they don't even watch the videos. I like to skim the transcript. And so making sure that you cover all of the bases. So just have different things in your course. And it's really easy to do. This might just look like you have a video. You take the audio from that video and you make it available for people to download. You make a transcript of everything you said in the video. And then you make like a workbook or a quiz or something interactive. So that way you're covering all of your bases because it really is totally different. There's no like perfect way to make a course. I wish it was. It would make my business so much simple if there was like the step-by-step checklist. But people learn in all sorts of different ways. So just think, think that through and think through how to make learning fun as well. Try to make your course not super boring. That sounds like basic advice, but it's like being a normal teacher. If people want to have fun, they want to have shorter lessons. They sometimes want you to just be silly and weird. Like humor is a really powerful way to help educate people. Listen, I just got to say, you guys, y'all just got basically like a full module of my Creative Educator Academy unit on courses. Like, we are so on the same page of this. I, I feel like taking that into consideration is such a missed opportunity for so many educators. And I just love that we both were teachers to be able to come on here and talk about it um, just openly and and hopefully really help some of the people who are like, getting their feet into education and also those who are educators, but who are like, I really want to tweak my course and I don't really know how take that, like go back and listen to that one section that Mara just went over and like take notes y'all. That was so good. Um, okay. As we wrap up this episode, which I feel like this is already a longer one, but it was just so good. I couldn't stop talking. Um, and I couldn't stop you. Obviously I would never, but I would love to know if you have an unpopular opinion on course creation, although I know that we covered some hot topics. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of these, I would say, were maybe an unpopular opinion. I think my biggest one is about software, that there is no one software out there that is the perfect software. A bunch of other people are going to tell you something different because they're in affiliate programs or they just really do like a software, but it's truly different for every single person. And the one of the biggest things I see people use, I have to find the right software as an excuse for what is really imposter syndrome. And it feels like really helpful and productive to Google online course software and then do that week after week and never just make your course. Give yourself a deadline, get your course out there. You can always make it better later on. I think most of us think that when you hit publish on your course, it has to be perfect. That's how it's gonna look for the rest of your life. Not true. Courses are always evolving, changing, you're updating lessons, you're learning how to be a better teacher. It's totally okay if like the first version of your course has you saying um in it or like videos that aren't super high quality. People don't actually care as long as the content is good. Ah, I wish I like I wish you guys could see me right now because I'm like snapping my fingers and like clapping because I've just never, I don't think I've ever talked to somebody that I've been this aligned with on our viewpoints on creating education for the creative space. So thank you for sharing your expertise. I am so with you on everything that you shared. How can people work with you? Like what's the best way to follow you, get in touch with you, learn from you more. We've already mentioned your podcast, which I can't wait to listen in to myself. What else can people do? Yeah. My podcast is definitely a great resource. It's called create a better 
course. So all about online courses and not just like making one, but making it really impactful for your students. You can also find me on Instagram at Mara Kasarik. Definitely click the link because my last name is a bit of a doozy. Thanks to my husband. It's pretty impossible to pronounce. And I am on Instagram a lot because I have a seven week old right now. So I am all about social media because you can be on there and answer people's questions while you're feeding her or hanging out with her or doing like a little contact nap. And then my website has tons of blog posts, I get really techie and have these long blog posts all about the difference between different course software and different online course things. So there's a bunch of bunch of resources on there that you can go click through and find the right answer for you. Amazing. And we will link all of that in the show notes for you guys. I hope that this is a re-listen for some of you who are, again, trying to figure out your path with online education. So make sure you listen once, twice, three times, take notes. And of course, if you have a huge takeaway from this, like post it on Instagram and tag myself and tag Mara. We want to see it. We want to see you guys working, um, especially coming into 2024. We want to see just the best high quality educators take the stage and that could be you. So I hope this helps. And I will catch you guys on the next episode. For show notes and resources mentioned on today's episode, head to SoHere'sTheThingPodcast.com. This show is brought to you by the Creative Educator Academy, where we teach creative entrepreneurs how to teach, because I believe that industries thrive when experts can share their knowledge well. If you're enjoying the podcast, I'd love to read your review on iTunes or see your rating on Spotify. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.